Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Nicolas, for the uh, opportunity to moderate this panel discussion. My name is Stavros Panzaris, and I'm the country managing partner of EY in Cyprus. Let me first, let me first thank the um, Honorable Minister for a very thorough and uh, insightful presentation. It seems that the uh, next few months and years will be quite active in terms of offshore drilling within the exclusive economic zone of Cyprus and do lead to the development of the island into an energy, maritime and logistics hub. Of course, all these points will be discussed uh, in the upcoming uh, session. However, let me first present a very short video which highlights some additional points and thought-provoking questions related to the energy, to the future of energy. Let us play the video, please. energy mix will be like in 20 years from now. Are today's energy companies prepared for tomorrow? How can we innovate, uh, accelerate innovation in the energy sources? Will the oil age come to an end? Well, this is definitely food for thought and further consideration by the energy market players in the world. At this point, let me introduce to you our panelists, which include distinguished guests from well-known energy uh, groups. On the panel, we have Mr. Ed Cox, director of Noble Energy, a US-listed company being one of the major partners in the Aphrodite gas field. Mr. 
uh, Yaniv Friedman, Deputy CEO of Delec Drilling, an Israeli energy group with active participation in both the Leviathan Basin and the Basin, as well as the Aphrodite gas field, and Varnavas Theodosiu, lead country manager of the U.S. energy giant ExxonMobil. So let me start with uh, Varnavas. Varnavas, what are the drivers for ExxonMobil to turn its interest to Cyprus and the Eastern Mediterranean? Well, thank you, Stavros. It's interesting uh, you mentioned that uh, uh, that video tries to predict the future. I will try to predict the future as well in trying to answer that question, actually, because I want to start with our global energy outlook, which predicts, tries to predict the future between now and, and 2040, 22, 23 years down the road. And, uh, and we start with the prediction of the population growth. We believe that population global population will increase by about 25% to reach 9.2 billion by 2040. And that uh, will require an increase in energy demand. And uh, we predict the energy demand will increase by the same amount, about 25%. There would be some efficiencies in terms of technology, but some um, countries out there will increase their standard of living. So all in all, about 25% we predict that uh, would be the increase in demand. And today, 25% is consumed by North and South America together, just to give you, uh, you know, um, a sign on what the energy demand will increase like. So we see natural gas is placing coal as the second largest fuel in the future. And uh, uh, natural gas has much lower carbon footprint than coal, more environmental friendly. So 40% increase is our estimate of the increase in, in natural gas between now and 2040. Europe imports uh, more than 50% of its needs in natural gas, either in energy form or piped. And we expect that to increase because Europe production will be declining. The fields are declining and there are new environmental legislation which causes decline in European production. So increase in imports for the future. At the same time, Asia will be fueled uh, by additional growth and that, uh, that would be fueled actually by additional natural gas imports. So if you put that in a matrix, we see Cyprus and the ISMET very well positioned to meet part of the additional demand that will come from Europe and potentially Asia. Thank you, Varnava. Ed, one of the country's priorities um, is to proceed with the monetization of the uh, Aphrodite gas field. Is this in line with uh, Noble's priorities? I'm sorry, say again? Yeah, one of the uh, priorities uh, in Cyprus uh, as a country is to proceed with the monetization of ah. the Aphrodite gas field. Yeah, so we are on the easy uh, end of this from a technical point of view. That is uh, finding it and drilling it up. Monetizing of it, though, it, if you can, uh, well, you can find it and you can drill it up. The monetizing of it, particularly of gas, and the problem of stranded gas, of which there's a lot in the world, is a, is a major issue. And uh, that is one particularly that 
the gas off Cyprus. It's going to be, um, it's going to, to take some imagination to solve it uh, and a lot of political will to solve it, not just with respect to Cyprus, but also with, res with respect to surrounding countries because you get involved in the geopolitics, as the energy minister pointed out, uh, at the start, but even in a broader sense that the Russians would like to monopolize the European gas market and, uh, and Cyprus would be a, uh, a game changer in that. Um, and uh, you would need uh, either LNG, which is a pretty obvious market at the moment because there are two dead LNG plants that are were built a long while back. I think ENI has one of them, has an interest in one of them. And uh, with the amount of gas now that's uh, becoming available through uh, Noble and Delic's efforts uh, and with the development of the Aphrodite field, uh, that gas will be available to go directly to the, the pipeline that you were discussing, or that the minister was discussing, would go uh, directly to those uh, LNG plants, uh, but after that, uh, regional markets, uh, which uh, may be limited, we'll have to see how they develop, uh, and that then means uh, pipelines uh, going to Turkey, uh, and uh, or perhaps uh, 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 converting uh, the gas to electricity and shipping it by cable uh, to an, an energy-hungry Europe. Uh, all those things are alternatives, and all of them get involved in geopolitics and also huge technical issues. Thank you, Ed. Moving now to Mr. Yaniv Friedman. Uh, Yaniv, what do you consider as being the biggest challenges and risks faced uh, currently by the oil and gas companies operating in the East Med region? We have to start with the risk question. There's some you know, optimism as well and things that are moving great forward. I, I, I think that uh, um, you know, both uh, the minister and Ed uh, mentioned you know, resources. Uh, we, in the last uh, 10 years, uh, discovered over 40 TCF of gas uh, in, uh, in the East Mediterranean between uh, uh, Israel and Cyprus. And 40 TCF of gas, it's, you know, it's a lot of gas. And uh, um, uh, people need to recognize this. Uh, we, together with Noble, were able to transform um, the uh, Israeli economy from a fully coal and, and, and uh, oil-based uh, uh, economy to today 60% um, natural gas economy. And this is going to grow to 85 and 90% in the early years of the next, of the next decade. And the challenges are, as I said, you know, 10 years and, 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 and uh, uh, we've still been able now to monetize only one field. The challenges are always uh, relate to the, the ability to develop infrastructure or monetization. Unlike oil, which is a freely traded commodity, uh, in natural gas, this, you, ha you have to have a plan to, uh, uh, to sell it and to monetize it. Um, you can't just put it on a boat and, you know, send it somewhere. Um, so the challenges are around infrastructure. Uh, I think that, uh, call it in the last 12 to 18 months, uh, stars are beginning to align. First of all, we're seeing a recovery in the energy market, or maybe no recovery, stabilization, right? Um, mm -hmm. So we're, you know, if, if uh, two years ago or three years ago, we were sitting here and the price of oil, we 
which is also determines the price of natural gas in, in many cases, um, was in the 40s and 50s. You know, now we're back to the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and we've been there for the last you know, 8, 12 months, and it seems like things are stabilizing. Um, we're seeing geopolitical relationships strengthening as well. Uh, just uh, uh, yesterday, I came back from London where we announced, uh, I think, a, 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 a really a breakthrough transaction uh, between us, uh, Noble, Delek, and uh, uh, really the Egyptian government uh, on infrastructure, real existing infrastructure that would allow us in no time, in a matter of months, to deliver gas from uh, Israel to Egypt. And if people are familiar with a little bit of history in this room, and how this can is Cyprus historic. And this is historic. And this will affect, uh, the way we look at this, uh, you know, we don't look at this as Cyprus, Egypt, Israel. We take a more regional uh, approach in serving the markets. So for us, Israel and Cyprus and sharing and cooperating on this infrastructure is both the, the more commercial economic way of doing this, but also in a, uh, let's call it a, a challenging geopolitical region, also a very uh, strong and stabilizing force. And, uh, let mm -hmm. me just say with respect to what we are doing here is really revitalizing old infrastructure with the LNG plants in Egypt and the pipeline and solving the political and financial issues and then using them. Now, that is, while in some ways very difficult, uh, doing new infrastructure uh, will require much more capital and also will have its own uh, ge geopolitical problems. Thank you both. Um, Varnava, what is your opinion um, on the growth prospects and opportunities of the uh, oil and gas sector in, in Cyprus? Again, you are asking me to predict the future. <laughs> but, uh, I, will, I will give it a go. I believe Cyprus exploration activities have been limited up until now. We had a discovery in 2011 in Aphrodite. We had uh, uh, earlier this year, uh, an announcement that Calypso, as the minister said before, uh, which is great news, but uh, we're talking about frontier exploration in Cyprus, deep water frontier exploration, and uh, globally we are more often, should I say, disappointed that successful in finding something that we can commercialize it, being quantities or being infrastructure. Um, it doesn't stop us from investing in, 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 in exploration, in frontier exploration. And uh, if we and uh, other companies uh, that they are exploring Cyprus find adequate quantities, I think the prospects for Cyprus are bright. As I said before, Cyprus is very well positioned to provide Europe with European gas, which could be very welcomed. Yeah, and, and if I continue with you, Varnavas, uh, what in your opinion are the uh, commercialization options for Cyprus gas? Uh, how feasible is uh, an NLG plant in Cyprus or the East Med pipeline under the current market conditions? The minister mentioned before an, a number of commercialization, op commercialization options. I will repeat some of them. It can be piped to Egypt. It can be piped to Europe can be brought to Cyprus and, uh, and the process through an LG plant and then it can be sent to a 
number of markets, could be Europe, could be Asia, under some circumstances. It could be processed through floating LNG as well. And so there are a number of options, and it uh, doesn't mean that one option is exclusive of another option. It could be two or three ways to commercialize uh, Cyprus gas. Um, looking at the options and if the quantities uh, really uh, justify it, probably an LNG plant in Cyprus could provide uh, further flexibility and more direct impact and, uh, and benefit to the economy. As a rule of thumb, international rule of thumb, if you process the gas through an LNG plant on, uh, on, on the host country versus piping it directly, the impact on GDP is three times as much as piping it directly. So LNG provided justi uh, quantities justified, and we don't have those quantities yet discovered in Cyprus would be our preference. But it's good to have all kinds of options and then we discuss with the government those considerations and take the, you know, the right uh, decision when the time comes. Thank you, Varnava. Perhaps, Ed, you would like uh, to add something on the options available to Cyprus for exporting gas? I think uh, flexibility is very important in this and looking at all the options and developing them. As uh, Yanov knows very well, early on uh, we had a prospective partner as we were developing the gas off Israel uh, to LNG was absolutely logical. Prices were high, you're talking $10, $15 uh, per MCF delivered to Europe or Asia. Uh, uh, and then we discovered there's really very good markets right there uh, uh, besides Israel and Egypt and in, uh, uh, and in Jordan. Uh, that could be developed, and uh, meanwhile, LNG prices uh, dropped in half. It became a much more liquid market. So you need to you need to look at all options, and before you make a huge capital investment, you have to know where it's project where it's going to be in the future, which makes it very risky. So you need that flexibility. You need the intellectual capital uh, point that the energy minister made at the end. You need that intellectual capital to understand those alternatives and be flexible in developing them and the right size. Uh, we downsized uh, <coughs> the, uh, uh, the Leviathan project and we found it was very compact in way which it can grow, but you, we had to adjust quickly to make that, uh, make that capital investment work for us. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Ed. Moving to Yaniv. Um, Cyprus, Israel and Greece recently agreed on the construction of the East Med pipeline. Considering the uh, current challenges as you described them earlier on uh, and the geopolitical conditions, do you think the construction of such a pipeline uh, is still feasible? Of course, we said you're not going to ask me any more difficult questions. Right? <laughs> <So it's> <laughs> <laughs> um, we, I'm, I'm in the... Um, I'm in the business of selling gas. Um, so if uh, uh, someone comes with a pipeline to me and, and says, would you be willing to uh, push your gas through uh, my pipeline um, and I get the price that I need to get for my gas, be it in Greece, Italy, or China, I really don't care. Um, I, I think that uh, looking at the resource base uh, that, uh, that we have right now in the region and uh, wish everyone success in their exploration and maybe we'll have more gas soon, but um, 
you know, the, the resource base we have right now. Um, I think we have better monetization options currently than um, embarking on a very difficult, technic both technically and commercially, uh, uh, solution. I understand the uh, um, political uh, impact that it has, uh, and, and I think it's definitely an important thing to keep thinking about, and as the minister mentioned, you know, the European Commission is funding, and this is not small money, we're talking uh, 30, 40 million euros for the next couple of years, um, a feasibility study to, to see if, uh, if this makes sense. Uh, but at least from our uh, uh, internal work, uh, I think right now this is a bit you know, far-fetched. However, looking out you know, to the middle of the next decade in Europe, uh, Ravanas mentioned you know, uh, uh, the decline in, in European production you know, in the North Sea, especially you know, 2025 to 2030. Um, uh, this could be a solution competition to uh, Russian gas uh, dominating Europe, this could be a solution. Um, I, I think that when we're looking at what we have on our plate right now and the, the, the demand in our region, which is a real, real demand, which is driven by uh, 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 economic fundamentals, you know, right now there are better solutions than uh, uh, moving, with, uh, moving forward with this project. This is not to say that you know five, six, seven years from now, you know, provided we have more gas, this could definitely be a uh, something that we can uh, we can look at. I think right now this is not the top, at least not of our priorities. Uh, but uh, the, the role that the governments and the European Commission is taking in pushing this forward, uh, in general, as long as they're paying for it, it's a great idea. <laughs> Thank you, Yaniv. Moving to Vornavas. Vornava, um, how has it been for a global multinational operating in Cyprus relative to other parts of the world uh, in relation, of course, to your uh, sector? We operate, uh, we are, we are, we are, you are right, you are, we are a global multinational. We operate in six continents and 100 countries. And, but we're not new to Cyprus. We've been in Cyprus for more than 60 years now operated under the ESO brand and then under the mobile brand and after the merger under ExxonMobil in downstream. We have moved into the upstream uh, sector a couple of years ago uh, when we signed, uh, when we started uh, the tendering process actually for uh, Block 10. And, uh, you know, moving uh, into an exploration sector in a new market, uh, we start always from the geology. If the old geology is there, then we start looking at other things. And the first thing we, we look at is, is the investment climate. If the climate is transparent, stable, and predictable for the longer term. Because in the exploration, it takes us two or three or four or five years exploring. Then if we are successful, uh, we spend five to 10 years to develop a project. And then we spend a number of, of decades producing. And, and monetizing. And uh, the investment in, in developing a project is huge. We're talking, especially in, 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 in the form of an LNG plant, we're talking about 12, 13, 14, 15 billion of an investment. And that uh, keeps creep, creeping up during the lifespan of, of production. 
So we are always looking for uh, transparency and stability. Uh, in addition to that, what we are looking at, we are looking at uh, uh, the ingredients of developing a good relationship, a lasting relationship, a fair relationship, based on mutual respect with the resource owner. Resource owner is the state, and uh, the government is representing the state, the country, as, uh, uh, as, as the host government with us. So we are looking for a government which, which is pro-business, which is uh, fair and transparent. And we don't, we don't always have that transparency or that uh, predictability across wo the world. We don't have it across Europe, and we don't have it across the European Union, not always. Cyprus has been a very, very positive example of that. Here is a country with a very well-defined legal um, framework, very robust tax regime, stable and favorable to business. In addition to that, uh, the government has been proactive in discussing with us both tactics, strategy, sorting out any issues we were having initially when we entered the market and being always there to iron out any problems and help us on a win-win situation, win-win fashion, to get things moving forward. So very positive experience as far as uh, the, our exploration activities are concerned. If I have time, I can give thank a couple you, of thank examples. Thank you for the bright colors you are describing. However, uh -huh. I'm sure there are some areas that we still need to improve in order to take Cyprus a level higher. What would these points be, in your opinion? You're asking me? Yeah, yes, 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 yes. I could, I could think of two, maybe. I think the minister mentioned uh, uh, one of the two. It's, and it's always... I, I was very happy to see that chart in the minister's uh, presentation about expanding uh, ports facilities. Uh, we do have good port inf infrastructure today, but uh, with additional exploration activities and uh, if we get into the development phase, that may not be enough. So the port at Basilico could be the way out. Um, maybe another, another um, potential improvement which is happening today in an informal way, but if, if we could put some more structure into it, is to make a one-stop shop. Today, the Ministry of Energy is, has, is, it's, is acting as one-stop shop. If we have an issue, we go to the ministry or to the minister himself to sort out the issues. And that works very well informally. If we can put some more structure around that, that uh, will, will be better uh, for, you know, for the future. Thank you, Bernabas. Uh, Yaneb, would you like to, to add to that? Um, um, basically, if you can focus on the existing uh, port facilities uh, and whether we need to make, take any other steps or measures. I think Yaneb uh, spoke about the port facilities and, and obviously if you're looking at multiple developments uh, in parallel, you know, you would need to expand that infrastructure to allow for that development to move forward. Uh, I, I think it's, uh, and I've, I've been involved with this, uh, with this project since its inception now for, uh, for uh, uh, over seven years. And, uh, you know, we've been, I've mentioned that we've been through a lot of, a lot of thinking. One thing I can say, uh, which is a, a very uh, uh, positive about 
interface. And th this is a, obviously a highly regulated business, and we interface with the government basically mm -hmm. on a daily basis. And I think what we're experiencing all along is, is, is openness and, and transparency and open discussion. The idea is to exchange uh, um, views and ideas, even if we uh, disagree in many cases, we have, a, we have a, uh, a, an open discussion, which I believe contributes to uh, uh, the overall project. Um, as I said, we've had, and, and I don't know how to predict the future, I've failed miserably in the past, so I'm not gonna try and do it again, but I am optimistic. Uh, we're, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're in the business of being optimistic. Otherwise, you can't explain why a sane person would drill a hole in the bottom of the sea at 5,000 feet you know, and spend $150 million to do it. So you've you got to have faith and, and optimism. Um, it, it's always about the ability to... to uh, uh, and sometimes what, where we are understanding how governments work as well, uh, for a business uh, enterprise, it's sometimes frustrating you know, to see processes that take time where you say, well, if I did this in my shop, this would take you know, 24 hours. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it's important to take decisions. We're on the right tracks. Uh, and as I said, I believe we have a very strong partner uh, with, uh, with the government of Cyprus. Uh, and, uh, and I believe this will lead us for a successful project very, very soon. Thank you, Yaniv. Let, let me just add yes, to that. Uh, as a lawyer, legal stability, uh, backed by political stability, is absolutely crucial to attract the kind of investment, large investments that you need. You would think it exists here in the United States, but if you go to Colorado where Noble has a major investment, uh, there's a referendum at the moment that would eliminate two-thirds of, uh, of the oil and gas industry in Colorado. Um, now, so it, 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 it's not, it, this is not just uh, you know, you know, you think the United States or a state would be more stable, but there are lots of issues out there. And if a country presents itself as having a good legal framework, uh, that uh, and a good uh, political, stable political backdrop to it, uh, that's the country that's going to to uh, attract investments. On the other hand, a company that's involved, like Noble, even though we are still developing Aphrodite, we are now on the ground. I know we're involved in uh, Macario's Hospital with a children's uh, wing to it. Uh, we're investing in the social, getting part of the social fabric of Cyprus. We have to contribute as a company uh, to that uh, as part of the deal to, uh, to show that we are just not taking the natural resource and selling it, but we are going to be long-term investors in the community. Thank you, Ed. Perhaps uh, um, a final question from me before I open the discussion to the floor regarding the, uh, the option mentioned by the, the minister on the FLNG. Uh, Yaniv, uh, can I please have your opinion yeah, on that? Sure. I we, mean, could this uh, open the door for yeah, exporting I, gas? I believe Arvanas is an expert on the matter uh, as well, but you know, we, we've been looking at FLNG. We believe it's a very good solution for the Eastern Mediterranean um, uh, uh, looking uh, at, uh, at uh, parameters there. Uh, you know, we were actively working on a FLNG solution for our project in Israel, and uh, with what happened in the commodities world, we kind of put it on the side for the time being. I think it's definitely the time to start uh, taking a second look at uh, uh, at this option. Um, uh, again, it's you know, it's uh, 
uh, being at the forefront of, of, of technology, but uh, when, when, when you think about where this could be applied, maybe in the most, uh, uh, the, the, the close to perfect way, it's really in the Eastern Mediterranean. We have the great uh, 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 atmosphere to, uh, to put this uh, type of projects in place. Yes, thank you, Yaniv. Um, I know you have a very important meeting to go to, so we may excuse you okay. <laughs> if you want. Uh, I, I can, yes, um, I, I would like to open the discussion to the floor. We still have a couple of minutes and ask whether there are any questions. The gentleman over there. Um, I just have a question regarding, um, more of a geopolitical question, regarding on, nobody made a comment on how Turkey or Russia can be a, um, an influencer as to what's going on, or a disruptor on what's going on, you know, with the whole energy f uh, exploration. Can anyone, uh, can, can anybody in the panel just uh, make a comment on that? Uh, Ed, would you like to comment on this? Well, uh, I mean, Russia, as we said early on in this uh, discussion, uh, Russia would very much like to monopolize the uh, delivery of natural gas <coughs> to, to Europe. Uh, Turkey would very much like to be a recipient of this gas that's being developed in the Eastern Mediterranean. But as you know, said, uh, the, it's not for the producers of natural gas to build the pipeline. It is up to the, because uh, to the people who want to receive the gas to make the investment in it. And frankly, that pipeline from Cyprus to Turkey covers some very difficult subterranean uh, issues. So, <coughs> subsea issues. So, um, while there's interest in it in, in Turkey, um, and there's also, uh, frankly, every once in a while, Turkey will send a, and they're getting to be increasingly effective military uh, vessels to just threaten what's going on in the development of gas. And that's, uh, uh, Turkey does that every once in a while to uh, show their interests. Uh, and meanwhile, on the land, uh, you've got uh, Turkey, Russia, and, uh, and Israel, uh, all entangled in Syria at this point. Uh, how all that works out, I don't know, but it will impact uh, whether or not there would be a, a pipeline carrying the gas uh, to, to Turkey. Mm -hmm. Any other questions from the floor? If not, uh, I would like uh, to ask for a concluding statement or remark, uh, starting with Varnavas. I'll just uh, say that uh, we're happy to be in Cyprus. We are uh, going ahead with our plans to drill two uh, exploration wells starting in the fourth quarter of this year. That will span next year as well. And uh, look forward to the results. Thank you, Renova. Ed? Uh, I would just want to emphasize again for the amount of capital that needs to be invested here. Uh, you do need to have a very uh, stable environment politically and legally, uh, and you need to have the intellectual capital to, uh, to be there to help not just with respect to 
the getting the gas out of the ground, which is quite an effort intellectually and technolo technologically, but also with respect to what you do with it after you get it out. What are the capital costs of it? How does it fit into the, into the legal and, uh, infrastructure and, uh, and some view of the world markets and where the price of LNG uh, would go as opposed to, to, uh, to uh, using a pipeline? Um, you need to have that, uh, a, a stable political environment and the intellectual capital in that, in that environment in order to attract the capital that's needed for this kind of, uh, the kind of very large development to, to bring the gas out of the ground and effectively deliver it in a way that companies would like to invest. Thank you, Ed. And with that, we've reached the end of this session. I would like to... Uh Thank all the panelists for their interesting and insightful remarks and contribution to the discussion and wish them uh, future success in their uh, endeavors. Thank you very much.